It is the Colby Daniels Podcast, and it is Tuesdayvis, which means Aaron Davis joins myself, Colby Daniels. What's happening, Aaron? Not much. Uh, I won't bore the people, but I will just say I am super stoked for tonight. Stay. I've been up since like 7, and I feel like I've been up for like 10 hours because I'm just like anxiously awaiting uh, first pitch tonight in the World Series. So, oh, come on. For those uh, <laughs> that are listening, you can't see my hand motion, but I'm doing the Atlanta Braves tomahawk chop. I told somebody this weekend that the uh, the Braves are like the Cowboys for me. Where like there's just like this deep rooted hatred of the team. Really, but they have so many players that I like. That's funny. Why do you hate the Braves? Uh, because they, they're like America's team. Okay. I don't know about it anymore, but like you know they were the America's team. Like when I first got into baseball, like they were always on TBS and yeah. they were always good. And like every year, like my first like two or three years of being a baseball fan or a sports fan. Astros played the Braves in the National League Division Series, and the Braves just slaughtered them every okay. year. And so, yeah, there was like the Yankees and the Braves were always like the teams that I hated as a kid. And I don't really hate the Braves as much anymore, but there's still that deep rooted like dislike of the team. But like, like I said, like they're like the Cowboys. Like yeah. they just have a lot of players that I really enjoy watching. Like I love Freddie Freeman. Like he's he's one of my favorite players in the league. Yeah, but plays for the freaking Braves. So, okay, fair enough. I'm uh like I've always liked the Braves and the Cubs for that matter because I grew up watching TBS and WGN right like right. so when I became a baseball fan baseball just wasn't available often right you had like a game right. of the week but that was about it so if you weren't watching the Braves on a daily basis and the Cubs on a daily basis then you just didn't get a whole lot so I like I'm not I wouldn't say I'm a fan of those two teams but I like them I like to see them do well like, you know, Mark Grace and Ryan Sandberg and Andre Dawson, those Cubs teams, I, I, I appreciated watching every day. You know, the 90s Braves with Dave Justice and Ron Gant and Fred McGriff and, you know, that, that whole entire group, the pitching staff. Like, watching those teams play every day, like, I just, I've always liked both of the Braves and the Cubs. I, except for when, like, the Cubs all of a sudden had a chance to win the World Series. And then I was like, well, that kind of takes away the fun. But that's not Cubs baseball. Yeah, this isn't Cubs baseball. You're supposed to be good, but not quite good enough. You know, right. like, don't get it done. But, yeah, go Braves. Oh, come on. Yeah, <laughs> it, oddly enough, like, I've always liked the Cubs. Even being in the same division as the Astros when they were in the National League, like, I don't know. I think, I guess it's because, like, the Cubs were never, like, real contenders. Yeah. So, like, it was easier to, like, to like them. Like, the Cardinals was always the team that I hated out of, like, oh, the division yeah. rivalry. Yeah, yeah. There's no, I don't feel like there's a baseball fan alive that if they're not a Cardinals fan doesn't like the Cardinals. The Cardinals are like the, I don't know why because they don't really operate the same way, but they they feel like the Yankees of the National League. I don't know why. I feel like there's some sort of like superiority complex with the Cardinals, right? Like they, I could, they just I think get they're better I could, than everybody. I, I I definitely know some Cardinals fans that kind of operate that way. Like, yeah, I'm a Cardinals fan. Oh. You're a Padres fan. Mm, yeah. You don't even play real baseball. <laughs> right. You have a DH. That's not real baseball. Why don't you strategize some? Yes, that's exactly it. You nailed it. You nailed yeah, it. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. And it was always there, but I think after, you know, obviously after they beat my team in the World Series, then doesn't help. the hatred really uh, grew. But Especially the way they beat the Rangers. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. I, I just, uh, man, this Astros team, dude, is we talked about this a couple weeks ago. I just think they're so unlikable. They're really well, good. I, like, I, I'm not going to pretend like they're not. They're really, really good. They are so damn unlikable. <laughs> I can, like, I'm not going to argue with that. I mean, I like them, obviously. I, for, we, I, I said it a couple weeks ago, too. Like, I've, I've forgiven them. Like, it was hard to root for them last year, but 
them making to the making the World Series last year or making it to the Game Seven of the ALCS rather last year kind of I don't know to me for my own personal like fandom proved that like that they didn't win the World Series because they cheated like they're good enough to win without cheating and I think they've proven that over the past two years of course they're good enough to yeah right so like I've forgiven them and like I agree they are there are a lot of douchey players on the team but I mean they're my douches so yeah, why yeah. there you go there you go at least you admit it. Yeah. Plus, I mean, extra points for you to just admit that they're douches, but you like them anyway. It helps too that Jordan Alvarez. I don't. I've never heard him speak, but the dude just hits like six hundred of ALCS series. Like, dude just rakes. You know what's was he on the last World Series team or was he? He was. It was his rookie year. It was his rookie year. Okay, I couldn't remember if he started that year or not. But I mean, you look at where you know when they kind of like rose and and became good. He wasn't in the lineup yet. And I mean, it was it was Altuve and Correa was a really young player and Bregman, Springer. but like, you know, Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez are two of the best hitters in the American League, and they weren't even in that that group when the Astros got good. But they're homegrown yeah, I mean, guys. Tucker wasn't even. I Tucker played in 2019, the last time they made the World Series, but I don't remember him. He may have like started a game or here game here or there in the playoffs, but yeah. he wasn't a big piece of it. He wasn't an everyday guy. Piece. Yeah, right. Jordan was a big piece of that team, but then I mean, he had surgery on both his knees last year. And it came back, and he's, I mean, it, it helps when you're just like a traditional DH, and you yeah. just have to go out there and just smash the ball. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 pretty crazy because they're set up to be good for another five years still. I did not think their pitching staff was going to be good enough to get them to this point. I didn't either. Like, I knew I mean, the bats were good enough, but I didn't think they had the arms to get to this point. Yeah, I mean, with Verlander has Tommy John before the season, and then Greenkey's like 40. Like, those are your two, like, top dudes from two yeah. years ago. And now you're, I mean, you're throwing out a bunch of young dudes like Jose Akiti and Luis Garcia and Framper Valdez. Like, it's, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, kudos to them. Like, they've gone through a lot of shit in the past three years, but, like, they're still yeah. one of the best-run organizations in baseball as far as, like, producing and maintaining talent and playing at a high level. Yeah. And then the Braves doing this without uh, Acuna, right? Like, yeah. holy cow. I, I it, yeah, Admittedly... They, they lost Acuna, and then you had the Ozuna stuff as well, who was, I mean, in the MVP conversation a year ago. And I wrote, I mean, I wrote him off. I just thought that's, the Braves are out of the conversation. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've done a good job too, because they've been, the Braves have kind of been on that cusp for like three or four years now of, you know, Ozzie Albies and, and Acuna, and like those young dudes are like Austin Riley. They're starting to like get, re, get into the prime of their careers. And like, I think a lot of Braves fans were just hoping that they got it they got to the World Series before Freddie Freeman, like, got too old while he was still highly productive. Because, I mean, I mean, Freeman could have left while they were bad. I mean, yep. they were bad, and he re-signed and stuck around and, like, committed to being the face of that organization. And I, I'm super stoked for Freddie Freeman, but I hope – I mean, look, I hope they go seven games. I Like, I don't want – I'd rather see a, the Astros win in seven than win in four because let's, you know – I mean, it might take five. me seven games to get really excited about this World Series, so. Sure. Okay, well, there you go. You get a game seven. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. World Series starts tonight. Speaking Better of than the uh, Dodgers and Rays. What? No. The Dodgers and Rays in Arlington for seven games? Come on. That was way better. I mean, I guess if it's Mr. better than October three Randy games. Rosarena against oh, like nine dudes that we watched play baseball in Oklahoma City? Sure. I guess for you. Okay. If you're getting, if you're watching them play in Oklahoma City, but I guess playing three games in or seven games in Arlington for those two teams is better than playing three at Tropicana Field. Yeah, who wants so. to go to Tropicana for a World Series? That's yeah. They don't. They wouldn't deserve it if if it happened anyway. 
Like they don't go to playoff games. Right. Yeah, that's that's fair. Did you see did you see the uh Red Sox Rays series in Tampa? I didn't watch nobody there. Well, yeah, who <laughs> I don't care about so they got ALDS games there. and there's nobody there. There's preseason lightning games, Colby. I gotta go right. to the Rays. Yeah, that's right. Speaking of Tampa Bay, though, before we, we jump in, did you see the, everything that dude got for returning Brady's 600th touchdown ball? You mean after there was a, a ruckus about it? Yeah. Yeah. That dude hit a jackpot. I'm, well, like, good yeah. Lord. He did eventually. The, you know, the, initial, the initial exchange was a $1,000 gift card to the pro shop. Well, I mean, and you're at Tom Brady's good graces. I mean, I guess. I mean, as a Bucks fan... I'd rather be in Tom Brady's good graces than a lot of stuff. Dude, I'm a Cowboys fan, and I could care less if Dak Prescott likes me or not. Like, it's not like he's inviting me to events or having me over to, like, hang out. Okay, $1,000. Okay, so. $1,000 in a pro shop, Aaron, buys you, like, a hoodie and a t-shirt and a hat, and you're done. That's embarrassing. That doesn't get you much. You're not walking out with much. Yeah. How would you think that ball goes for, though? You think? No, it was valued. Yesterday, it was valued at $500,000. Oh, that guy got screwed. Yes, massively. I got host. Yes, straight up host. (laughs) Massively host. Never mind. I didn't see the appraisal. I didn't know they got appraised yesterday at five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, that guy's that guy. That guy effed up so bad. The moral of this story, and this is just a PSA to everybody: if you catch a historic memorabilia item, whether it's a home run baseball or you get a football or something like that, here's the rule: no matter what they offer you. Do not accept anything on that day. You leave that ballpark, that arena, that stadium with said item. Get an evaluation of it. Let it build a little bit. Let them start to feel like, hey, we may not get this back. Be greedy, quote unquote, because it'll pay off for you. Don't give it up. The first offer is always going to be a low ball offer. If I was Mike Evans, I would have found that guy and be like, hey, Keep the ball, sell it, like give me a hundred grand because I handed the ball to you, and, yep. and you know I'll I'll worry about Tom. Yep. So now he gets uh, season tickets for the rest of the year because after there's been major media backlash for the fact that they only gave him a thousand dollar gift card. He gets season tickets for this year and next year. This year and next year. Yeah. He gets uh, I think like two signed Tom Brady jerseys and a helmet, and then um, did you see where Tom Brady finally like gave him a Bitcoin? One Bitcoin. One Bitcoin. I mean, that's, I mean one Bitcoin's worth a lot of money. It's worth $63,000, so. Not quite worth the $500,000. Not, not quite five hundred k, but, you know, at least a step in the right direction. And look, at the end of the day, the value of this ball is going to go down in like three years when Tom Brady throws his 700th touchdown pass. That's right. So, you know. Yeah. Maybe in three years, it, well, it'll be less than that Bitcoin. Yeah, if that's me at a Cowboys game... I mean, short of them, like, giving me ownership of a luxury suite at the 50-yard line on the spot, there's no way I'm not leaving with that football before I give it up. Yeah, I wonder where his tickets are. Like, did they put him up in the nosebleeds? Because I was going to say, maybe he could probably, like, if they're really good seats, he could possibly just sell each ticket every week. Yeah. And make a good penny off of that. But, I mean, they, they might have put him up in the nosebleeds where the tickets are like, he can maybe get a hundred bucks for yeah. you for the tickets, but I mean, he was I would in, want he my own seats. suite, like I like lifetime suite. I have ownership of this suite, however many it holds. Like I can bring that many people. I want to be in the suite with Giselle. Yeah. By the way, did you hear? 
<laughs> Tony Romo? No. He when when they were uh, when the guy got the ball, he started saying like, "What are we gonna? What are they gonna do to get the ball back? What are they gonna offer?" And he like insinuated that Tom would offer a day with Giselle. <laughs> and uh, I guess there are some people that are like upset that Tom or that Tony insinuated that uh, that Tom Brady would negotiate Giselle for a football. That Tom would cuck himself for a football. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I Tony obviously doesn't know that Giselle is wears the pants in that relationship. So right. And she's the breadwinner. Yeah. So. Yeah. Old trophy husband over there that just goes out and plays a kid's game. For 50 years, yeah. (laughs) That's funny. I like Tony. Tony's good. I'm not the biggest Romo fan. Like, he's okay, but I I don't know. It's it's a little shticky. I think think that, like, I think year one, it was, like, new and exciting. I do like Tony, I will say that. But, like, I can see where you're coming from. Like, at a point, like, I think he's really leaned into, like, it being, like, his thing. Yeah, I mean, like I just, the, I don't know. Like, I, I appreciate that he has the ability to, like, look at what a defense is doing and predict where the offense is going to go. But, like, I don't watch Tony Romo call a game and feel like I, I get any smarter or that I learn anything. Like, it's just like a magic trick, right? It's like he pulls the bunny yeah. out of the hat, and it's like, okay, well, how did yeah, he pull I mean, the bunny out of the hat, right? Like, I think they yeah, completely I mean, failed to kind of pull back the curtain with that whole deal. Any, I don't know. Anyway, it's like it's impressive that he can do that, but it doesn't really do anything for me as a viewer. Like, right? What? Like, give me some analysis. Why do you think that? Like, break it down for me. Okay, I see what's happening. You've been spoiled by the Manning cast. No, I felt this way way before the Manning cast, but yes, we have been spoiled by the Manning cast because that's exactly what the Manning cast is. Yeah, yeah. Which, by the way, fantastic in its return, dude. I missed it so much. I don't know that they can top the first half of last night. Now, I will admit, as the second half started, I mean, literally probably 60 seconds into the second half, my son walks up to me and says, I don't feel good, and then vomits six times. Six? Six times. So, yeah, it was intense. So, I I basically missed the rest of the game. Um, Well, you didn't miss much. Between, like, taking care of him getting that whole situation cleaned up, getting him in the shower, getting him taken care of, and I, I missed the rest of the game. So I don't know if the second half was better, but Marshawn Lynch and Tom Brady, it, that might have been the best television I've ever seen in my life. Right. I mean, you knew Marshawn was going to be good. Yes. Like, if you looked at the entire season so far on the Manning cast and, like, looked at their guests, it, easy odds that Marshawn was going to be the first one to drop an F-bomb. No right. doubt. Yeah. I think yeah. he said shit twice before he finally dropped the F-bomb. And if you noticed, right after he dropped the F-bomb, uh, you could see Peyton turn his head and look to the side. It was probably a, a, like an ESPN producer that they were yeah. like, cut, cut, cut. And then Peyton's like, thanks, Marshawn. And they cut to a commercial. I mean, to be fair, that was the ultimate what the F play. Oh, absolutely. Oh, what the F. And I will say, like, Saints and, like, Geno versus Jameis is the ultimate Manning cast game, like, Nobody wants to watch that game just with a regular broadcast. Right. Like, they need the Manning cast to make that entertaining. Yes. Like, Bill's Titans, Bill's Titans doesn't really need the Manning cast for it to be an entertaining game. It's like, keep me tuned in. But, like, there's no way I would have been able to watch any of the Saints and Seahawks last night without the Mannings. Agreed. It was so good. Yeah. And then Brady, I, like, I love listening to Brady and Eli talk shit to each other. Dude, Eli Manning is an, is an extremely underrated television star. He is. 
He's uh, they're like he's kind of awkward, but like also like has a lot like low. I, I guess I appreciate him because I also can relate to like the dry sense of humor and like the yeah. lack of personality on the surface. So yeah, he's good. He has a lot of like a lot of quips and like. I mean, how many dudes are gonna call out Peyton? You know. Oh, it's so great. He's constantly yeah. taking jabs at Peyton, which works, right? Because he's his younger brother. Like, it's right. it's fantastic. Uh, so he can constantly take these jabs, and Peyton just kind of takes it because he's the younger brother. And I, I think he's insightful. It's And to your point about the sense of humor, he's so, like, blah, right? Like, never gets excited. Like, you, you don't even feel like the guy, like, ever changes. Like, he's happy, sad. Like, I, where are you, Eli? I don't know what you're feeling at all. Right. And, like, you know, people call him a mouth breather. And, and then, like, at the same time, he's giving, like, insightful analysis and then, like, asking funny questions and throwing in the jabs. Like, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's, like, we've said it ad nauseum through the first, like, five weeks of the season. That's the smartest thing ESPN's done in years. Yeah. So good. I, I loved, like I loved the, uh, the video of Tom Brady celebrating jumping around and not hugging Garoppolo. Yeah, that was hilarious. Oh, like I was in tears. Tom laughing. tried so hard to deflect on that too. Yeah, he did. He did. It was He's so like, good. oh, look at my vertical. Oh, that's probably the highest I've ever. Tom. Tom was good last night, but he also was very deflective on certain things. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, like when they asked him uh, if it's tough for him to face like a super talented defense that stays in base or like uh, like defense that changes up their looks a lot, and he just. For, he went on like a 10 minute tangent, just yeah. like explaining how t- both could be tough. How about the question where, where Peyton's like, Tom, what, what kind of goal line package do you have? We always had like two runs and two passes. And then Tom talks for like 10 minutes and says, some games we have a lot, some games we have a little. And he finally lands on, yeah, I think two passes and two runs is about right. And it's just like, what? Yeah, I don't know. He, Tom might have been a little drunk. I don't know. Oh, it was so funny. And then uh, I, I love the, I was hoping that at some point they were going to bring up the Eli over Tom Brady Super Bowls. And then they kind of just said, like, you know, Tom was like, I, I enjoyed playing against both of you, but I enjoyed playing Peyton more than Eli. Eli said, I always loved playing Tom. Yeah. Yeah. Tom, yeah, and Tom, yeah, Tom made a comment about, like, the defensive lineman in those Super Bowls just <laughs> destroying right. him. Um, I love the uh, – I think my favorite moment during the Brady interview was uh, when Peyton asked him – what defenses can do to stop them. And Tom was like, you know, honestly, like I think the best defense against us is one-on-one coverage. Just go ahead and press one-on-one against our receivers. And yeah, you know, it seems to work out pretty well for the defense. So that actually got a pretty big cheesy grin from Eli. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's good, man. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's honestly like, I remember watching like the Sklar, did you ever watch uh, cheap seats with the Sklar brothers where they would, they would like watch like mini golf from like the eighties from like old ESPN broadcast. Yeah. Yeah. I always like this is such a great way to watch sports to just have not necessarily comedians, but like just watch the game with other people. Right. Instead of like, you know, the broadcast necessarily, but like just to have them commentate on the game in a casual manner. I don't know. It's always just felt like such a easy thing to do. That's fun because sports is such a community thing. Like maybe not for us because we're kind of curmudgeon when it comes to watching sports, but like just general public like loves watching sports together. Like. Yeah. How many people go to bars to watch games? Right. So it's just such an easy, a simple idea that I can't believe isn't done more. Yeah. I, you just have to have the right, you have to have the right people, right? Like who, it does. you have to have somebody that you want True. to watch sports with and the, the Mannings are easy to like, uh, you know, they kind of come off as the all shucks, like 
regular dudes, but they're also like Super Bowl winners and extremely insightful. And they have, they're able to have fun with each other without being like the, you know, we've got to be very like buttoned up and, and uh, not give anything away. Like doing right. it together loosens both of them up enough to be able to give the right content. So it, it has to be the, I mean, the stars have to align, I think, to make that work. And the Mannings make that, make the stars align. If it were anybody else, it, it doesn't work. I, th- I think the concept works. It may not work as, I mean, the peak might be Eli and Peyton together, but like there's, I mean, I think there's other people that could produce an entertaining like product, but yeah, I mean, they've hit a home run by having the Mannings and then they do a great job of getting guests. Like the guests they've gotten, maybe not every guest is great, but like they're getting good guests and Peyton and Eli are respected enough, especially Peyton. I don't know about Eli, but like, Peyton is respected enough by everybody that they're going to come on and like try. Right. Yeah, no, it's awesome. It's, uh, it's been, I mean, in a year where the NFL has just hit home runs almost every weekend, maybe other than this weekend, this was was a horrible NFL weekend. Uh, this has been right at the top of the list of the best things in the NFL, the Manning cast for sure. Yeah. Crazy. Hopefully, uh, hopefully they don't take another month on break, but I feel like they might. They probably, yeah, they'll probably be back for a few weeks and then, uh, do a big break again. Yeah. Unfortunately. Bummer. I, I'll tell you this. I wouldn't mind if uh, if next year they were somewhere else that just kind of like allowed them to do their thing, you know, like didn't have the ESPN restrictions. Yeah. I mean, I know that the whole thing is like produced by Peyton's like broadcast, like production company. Like yeah. it's like it's a it's a Manning thing. They're just ESPN's just kind of paying them to the broadcast outlet, yeah. it. But like. Yeah, the platform. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. Obviously, I don't know the details of like their if the contract or whatever. Like, if they're just it's a one year trial, and then they could take their talents to somewhere else. I don't know. I would honestly like I would love for them to like watch Red Zone. Oh, that would be it's great. Just, yeah, like I mean, like Red Zone's kind of it's kind of what Red Zone is. It's just kind of like it's exactly what Red Zone is. Yeah, yeah, but just have Peyton and Eli doing it. You know. I mean, that would be a lot of fun. I don't think they'll do that because I would actually, you know what? I would actually pay for Red Zone if that happened. I watch Red Zone. I have I've watched Red Zone every week for the past two years. Yeah, and yeah, it's. I mean, I enjoy. It. I love watching Red Zone. It's it's a lot of fun. And then if but if you threw the Mannings on there for seven hours, even if they didn't do seven hours, only if they did like the early games. Yeah, like that'd be so much fun. Like just going back and forth. Yeah, and like Red Zone's not necessarily like a thing where you have to like comment on everything that happens yeah i've like i still appreciate watching an entire game and everything that happens in between scoring plays but i will say on a weekend like the one we just had red zone is extremely valuable because there were no good games there was there was not any great matchups that like made me set aside everything i had going on to just watch that specific matchup so on a weekend like this one red zone is is absolutely perfect but like my Twitter, I've got like a group put together where I basically have like a Twitter timeline of what like it's basically red zone, right? Like every right. every highlight play that happens hits my timeline. So while I'm watching a game, I kind of have like this stream of every big play that that, yeah. that goes on. So yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like Thursday, Sunday, and Monday nights, like I'm I love watching the full games. Yeah, Sunday, I just especially since the Texans sucked and like I'm not a Texan, I don't really have a team right now. Like it just allows me to sample the whole league right. instead of committing to whatever games local on locally here, which is usually the Cowboys or I don't even know. I think I guess the chiefs. I don't know. Browns, Browns, Browns AFC flavor of the week. Yeah. yeah. Browns get a lot of run here. Chiefs get a lot of run. 
we've started getting more Cardinals games. Makes sense. Finally. Yeah. Yeah. If you get a late, I mean, if you, if the NFC, if Fox has a late game or something like that, Kyler, yeah, it makes yeah. sense. They're so, good too, by the way. Uh, hilarious that uh, Matt Wells gets fired yesterday and the guy that he replaced is 7-0 in the NFL right now. How ridiculous is Texas Tech, by the way? I Look, first off, look, I, I, I have this issue with a lot of programs in college football. I do not understand where they develop the expectations that they have for their programs. Because if you're 5-3 and three at Texas Tech, and I understand that Matt Wells hasn't like gotten off to the greatest start since he took over in 2019, but they're 5-3. and three. Like That's pretty good at Texas Tech, I would imagine. Like They're not 5-3 and three every year. In fact, I, since 2015, before this season, they had been 5-3 and three twice. And I mean, I know it's not the longest stretch, but still, like, more often than not, they're not starting five and three. It has to be like maybe Sonny. You think maybe Sonny Cumby is like the guy, and they just didn't want to waste any time getting him into that role? I don't know. I mean, look, if you know that Sonny Cumby's the guy, like, if if behind closed doors they're having the conversation, like Matt Wells isn't the guy, Sonny Cumby is the guy, then okay, it makes sense. I still don't like that they pulled the trigger this soon, but at least it makes sense as far as the timing goes, because if Sonny Cumbie's the guy, you want to let him have as much time as possible to start recruiting for next year. And I mean, shaping the way that he wants this team to be shaped. My whole issue, I think more than anything is a, you're Texas tech, right? Like other than the fact that Kansas has been the worst power five team, maybe over a 10 year stretch in history, like, that aside, Texas Tech's the worst job, I think, in the, in the league. Worst job well, in the yeah, league. Yeah, I mean, you're stuck, you're stuck out in the West Tech, in Lubbock. I, I'm sure you've been to Lubbock. It's not, it's a hard sell. Hard sell. To get, it's a hard sell to get some kid from Dallas or California or anywhere to go to Lubbock. But that and, like, I, I think they're going to be a tough, if, if Sunday Company is to do, because Matt Wells hasn't really run the traditional, like, Texas Tech offense. Right. Like I think they're going to be in a tough situation because I mentioned Sonny Cumbie is going to want to run that traditional Texas Tech offense that he, you know, they ran while he was there and Matt, you know, Leach and Kingsbury kind of continued. So they're not going to be good for the next few years if, because of that. But like, which is also yeah. another reason this firing is stupid because when you committed to Matt Wells, you committed to changing the identity of your football team, yeah. which takes time to start recruiting and developing the right personnel to be able to do that. Right, and they're five and three. Like it's right. not going. Right. Terrible. It's not a complete disaster right now. Yeah, it's... Ugh. I, yeah, I don't, like... I don't understand it. And there's a lot of programs like this. There's, like... Where I just don't understand where you develop these higher... Like, you, the expectations aren't based in reality. Like, winning eight games in a season at Texas Tech is a pretty good season. All things considered. Like, in my lifetime, Texas Tech has had one really good year. Yeah. And they fired that guy, too. Yeah. It's... It's yeah, it's wild. Like they had Patrick Mahomes, and they were still a middle of the pack Big Twelve team. Right. So, I I, I don't know, man. It's it's like who do you think you are? <laughs> it's I'm trying to think of other programs that are kind of in that same world. Maybe like UCLA. I think UCLA's, but UCLA has a has more advantages than Texas Tech, but way more. Yeah. May, like who does Tech know, think like, it? Like UCLA's probably what I mean probably at the very end of like, if you wanted to say like, who are the best 25 football programs? I mean, UCLA is probably like around 25, right? Maybe 30 in yeah, somewhere in that range. Yeah. Tech's nowhere close to that conversation. Tech's not top 50. No, I, I cannot, I cannot. 
express enough to anybody listening that has never been to Lubbock how shitty of a place Lubbock, Texas is. And how it's literally in the middle of nowhere. There's no easy it's, way to get it, yeah. there. It's, it's not far like from everything. It's not like how when you drive down I-35 in Texas, you can you can basically run into every other school, right? Right. It's yeah. It's like literally. Think of a place. It's a far. It's a long way away from there. Yes. Anywhere. Everything even is Texas, a long way from Lubbock. Yeah. Even in Texas, everything is a long ways away, and it's just like there's like it's there's a highway that goes through it. And it's just a flat, straight highway, and then it's dusty and it's like it it's depressing. And like, look, there are people that love Lubbock for sure. Like, I think a lot of them go to college there and develop a love for the town. But like, trying to get someone there that's never been there before, other than a recruiting visit, like yeah. it's like it's a tough sell, man. And I, I don't know what their facilities are like. I know their stadium is, it's not new, but I mean, there's a lot of other options out there. And like going through co- coaching changes, have three coaches in three years. Unreal. Like it's, yeah, I don't. And, and I don't think this matters ultimately at the end of the day, but to change coaches in the week that you play Oklahoma, like there could have been an easier week to make that transition, especially for the players. Is there any like, Hey, if we fire the coach, maybe that like gets our team to play its best game this week. I don't think so. I mean, it, unless Matt Wells was just like unanimously disliked by the locker room. Unless if Matt Wells had lost the team and they fire him and like everybody less sunny and all that stuff, then yeah, sure. Maybe so. But yeah. like, I haven't heard anything about like, I haven't either. And I'm sure, I'm sure there'll be like some that. stupid reports to, that they come out that say that to try and like make this or soften Reasoning, this firing yeah. for Texas tech. But Dude, I liked Matt Wells. I, I don't know Dude, how I, he could be yeah. unlikable. I don't know if you remember, but at Big 12 Media Day, like I went over and listened, like went to his like little media scrum, and I came back to you guys, and I was like, Matt Wells is my favorite coach in college yes, football. Yes, he's like, great. I will run, I will run through a wall for that dude after listening to him speak for ten minutes. Like he gets it, like he understands like how to speak to people and like motivate people. And I just based that off of like his media days, and. Again, I haven't heard anything negative about it. Like, it, honestly, I was I was shocked by the firing. Like, it was not something that I was anticipating. Now, I've heard, I have seen reports that it was just a matter of time uh, when they made this move, and I think that perhaps a lot of that has to do with people in charge, like want Sonny Cumbie to be the head coach. Yeah, but I I don't get it, man. They're I don't know who they think they are. Uh, you you committed to changing the identity of your football team, and that takes multiple recruiting classes and development, and you're going to fire this guy two and a half years in. And let's also point out this. He's had his starting quarterback go down every season he's been there, right? It's only been two and a half yeah. years, but the guy's not even had a starting quarterback for an extended period of time. One of them left, right? Uh, the kid that was starting his first year, he transferred out. Yeah. Um, Bowman? Alan yeah, Bowman? Alan Bowman. He yeah. Had, yeah, he had health issues. I, don't, I can't remember where he's at right now. But like he's a collapsed yeah. lung or whatever. Yeah, and he left. But... Hell, Kingsbury did the same shit. It's I mean, how many like, times did Kingsbury... Okay, I guess Kingsbury's thing was he just changed the quarterback every week. It wasn't really an injury thing. Yeah, just Bowman and Matt Wells, two, first two seasons, he lost Bowman for the year both times. Yeah. And then this year they lost Tyler Shock, right? Like, he's I been mean, there two and a half years, and each year he's lost a quarterback to a season-ending injury. And you're going right. to fire him two and a half years in? It just doesn't make any sense. Like, what is it, the standard? I don't know. Like, maybe I, I'm trying to get put myself in their shoes. Maybe they think that because Texas and Oklahoma are leaving, that they can project themselves up toward in that conference, and that Matt Wells isn't. I, I don't know. 
Matt Wells isn't, I don't, I, I'm like, I don't know. I'm trying to piece this together in my mind right now of why they would do this at this time and like yeah. kind of what they're thinking. I can't like, cause they've never been good. I mean, they've been decent for sure. Like they've had some decent teams, but they, they've never been a good team. The, like the Texas tech thing was always, they can go as like, they have to score 70 points. Yeah. To it's win gimmicky. Games. Yeah. It's a very, yeah, exactly. And it was smart. I think it was smart to run that gimmicky like spread offense because it's easier to bring in, you know, receivers. It's easier to bring in five receivers to play than like five big offensive linemen to play power football. Right. But I don't know. Like they, it's a drastic change from what they were going from for the past 20 years to what they were trying to do with Matt Wells and to kind of start laying the groundwork for that new system and that new scheme and then just completely dismantle it. And, and the, like, as soon as you get that foundation laid, it's just going to set them back even more. Yeah, it's just. So, I mean, t- I've said it before that t- Texas has ha- Texas had the same issue. I think I think the downfall of Texas football over the past ten years started when Mac when Mac Brown tried to change the entire scheme of his offense after they lost Alabama in the national championship game. Agreed. Because they didn't commit to it, he they gave it. He did it for a year and then changed it back to a spread offense and like it just like the entire recruiting and all yeah. the stuff like everything got screwed up. And now Texas Tech is probably even in a more dr- like drastic hole or like deeper hole than what Texas was in after doing that. Like in college, like in college football, you, if you're going to commit to changing like something like your scheme or like dramatically changing the way you play football, you have to commit to it for, yeah. for a while. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy, man. I don't get it. Uh, they've got OU this week. We'll see what happens. Um, speaking of Oklahoma, how did you follow? And I know you were at a wedding in Austin this weekend. Were you able to watch any of the OU Kansas game? Were you following it? Were you aware of this entire situation? So I watched like the first half before I had to go to the wedding. But luckily, uh, like three of the groom, three of the other groomsmen are like major OU fans. So we wa- we were watching it on like a phone and like keeping up with it. Uh, and I've I've watched uh, I've watched some replays, some highlights and stuff, and read about it afterwards. But um, I was a little surprised because we talked so much about uh, like the secondary of OU being a, being an issue and really struggling, but like I thought the front seven really had a tough game this week. They did, like not being able to handle well, I guess like the zone call the zone read, like just not being able to play against that. Like it's it's not a good sign right now for this OU team because now it, like the front seven was supposed to be the unit that, and it's just one game they could rebound against Texas Tech and look good again, obviously. But like just coming off this game, like. If the front seven is now going to be a concern uh, in any given week, along with the injuries and like the inexperience in the secondary, I don't know, man. It's it's tough. I like I, I think the offense offense obviously struggled against Kansas, but like I, I don't come out of that game thinking that they're going to be an issue because Caleb Williams just has like he he just has that like instinct, like that it factor to make plays when he needs to make plays, yeah. but. The defense well, we say struggled, but look, I mean, they had three possessions in the first half. Three. Well, they couldn't tell, yeah, the defense couldn't get off the field. Yeah, the defense couldn't get off the field. Uh, OU didn't even touch the football, Aaron, until there were five minutes left in the first quarter. Um, you know, I think it's a good thing that you had your starting quarterback, who's a freshman, face some adversity, right? Like, to deal with Definitely. the frustration of not being able to get your opportunity on the field, to have an entire half where you only touch the ball three times, to be able to overcome making a big mistake on the interception— like, for him individually, I think that was a great situation in the first half for him to overcome adversity and see him come out on the other side of it playing better. But, you're, I mean, the defense, is, what a joke. I think that, that first half is 
I think the worst first half I've seen from Oklahoma since before Bob Stoops was there. I mean, that was as embarrassing a first half as they've ever had, especially when you consider the opponent and the defense getting completely physically dominated, your offense not even being able to get on the football field. And, you know, that defensive line, I pointed this out in the first couple weeks when we were talking about this team against Tulane and this team against Nebraska. The defensive line hasn't been bad, right? Like, even at that point, they they were good, but they weren't dominant, and they haven't been dominant one time this entire year. No. A year ago, they were dominant. And they've not been the same group. Like, they've had good weeks. And as far as, like, individuals, like Isaiah Thomas has had splash plays. Perion Winfrey's had splash plays. Nick Benito's had splash plays. Jalen Redman, Reggie Grimes. Like, they have dudes. But collectively, that group doesn't dominate football games from start to finish the same way they did a year ago. It's not even close. Yeah. I thought Nick Benito was incredible against Nebraska. But, yeah, after that, like, he hasn't really, like, stood out as, like, a dominating force. And, it's it's funny though because we talked last year about like the impact that Ronnie Perkins had when he came back after being suspended and like now he's gone and like that that defensive line in that front seven looks a lot more like they did pri- pre yes uh, Ronnie Perkins last year than they did post Ronnie Perkins last year and it's I mean it's crazy that one guy can have that much of an impact on an entire like unit like set, six other dudes play much better with Ronnie Perkins out yeah. on the field because I mean I mean he's really the only difference right like he's the only like mm-hmm different like change in that front seven really yep they were they they disrupted i mean like every play a year ago and again i'm not saying those guys are bad because they're not they're all really talented players and there have been moments where all of those guys have had big plays but collectively that group snap in snap out doesn't just wreak havoc the way they did a year ago they don't completely disrupt plays the moment the ball is snapped like they did a year ago and it's a glaring difference as far as what the defense has accomplished to this point. Yeah, I mean, I again, well, shoot. I mean, they just got embarrassed by Kansas, so I'm going to retract my thing that I was about to say. I was about to say that I said last week that there's not really like a powerhouse offense in college football right now that they could run into if they make the playoffs, but, I mean, they just got dominated by Kansas. Yeah. Obviously, like, they ended up winning by 12 points, and, like, the scoreboard doesn't look as bad as the game did. Like, they really separated themselves late, but... Yeah, I mean, was there any point in that game that you thought they would lose that game? The only moment, and it was like literally a moment, was the fourth down play where Kennedy Brooks gets hit behind the line of scrimmage. And I watched this entire game from my phone because my son was was competing in a horse show. Watched the entire game from my phone, so I didn't have sound. So on Mm. that fourth down play, they give the ball to Kennedy Brooks, He's hit behind the line of scrimmage. Without sound, I thought it was going to be forward progress, right? Like, I thought he he got right. to the point, he got hit, they push him back, and I thought the whistle probably blew, and the play's over, and he didn't get it. So for, for like a moment, I thought, they're in big trouble. And then Caleb Williams steals the football, picks up the first down. I I thought, A, I don't even know if that's legal, but B, my main thought was, I don't know another quarterback in college football that would do what Caleb Williams just did. I mean, that's like I was saying, like he just has this instinct to make plays when he needs to make plays. Like it's, I mean, uh, so he has, uh, so far since he took over, he has run it two times on fourth down. And he guess how many yards he has on fourth down runs. It's like, like, like 130. Yeah. Something like it's over a hundred yards. He had a 60 yard against Texas. He had a 40 yarder. Uh, 
uh, against Kansas. Like, for whatever reason, like, yeah. the, the dude just – when he needs to make a play, he can make a play. And I think you can't – you obviously can't teach that. And, like, it's made Oklahoma significantly better because now they have a guy that just – you can trust to make a play and get that first down or a fourth down or, like, you know, throw a touchdown when you need a touchdown or whatever it is. But, yeah, that, that play was wild. I don't know if I've ever seen that. I've never seen it. Never. It was – yeah. Like the only thing and, that I think is even close to something like that is the Bush push, right? Like, yeah. Uh, but this is, I mean, this is a whole different level because it's the quarterback being the guy that's not involved in the play, but inserting himself into the action. And I said yesterday, like put a hundred quarterbacks in that situation. And I guarantee you, Caleb Williams is the only guy that doesn't watch his running back get tackled. Yeah. And I'm not, and I'm, and like, but it's not, and he took the ball from him. Yeah, he literally went, and not only did he just stand there because he's not part of the play and watch his guy get tackled, he went and took the ball and picked up the first yeah. down himself. Like that's, I mean, it, unbelievable play. Yeah, I mean, just make it, dude. Just makes plays that shifts the entire outcome of games. Yeah, and incredible. Yeah, that defense stinks though. Yeah, they stink. Yuck. Um, I mean, you would assume. I mean, you could have a worse matchup, though, this week. I mean, you you couldn't have a better matchup than Kansas for a defense, but... This Texas is the next Tech best thing, right? Yeah, especially co- they're changing coaches this week. Like, yeah. you would think that this is set up for OU defense to be to have an okay game, but, I mean, they just... They just play well, I don't Kansas think you can guarantee day, anything so. at this point, but, yes, yeah, this is the next saying, best yeah. thing to play in Kansas. So, yikes. How about... Did you watch Oklahoma State-Iowa State at all? Uh, I, I didn't see much of the game. I did see... Uh, see, uh, Oklahoma State kind of get screwed on that fourth down play, though. Yeah, so watching that in real time, I thought he got it. And then when the I, when the judge came in and was marking it, went right when he runs onto the field, I thought, mm-hmm. man, that's a horrible spot. He's like a yard short of where the guy landed. Um, this will definitely get reviewed and overturned. And then they show all the reviews, and the problem is, like I thought he got the first down, but there's nothing definitive either way of where he actually came down. Right. So, like, if he had got, if they had marked it as a first down and reviewed it, I think it has to stand as a first down. If they mark it short, it has to stand as short. I thought it was a bad spot, but there's there's nothing that's definitive. It's crazy to me that there's not a single angle where you can see where he he actually came down. I I'm watching the play again right now, and I don't see any way that he didn't get the first down. I agree, like it, but but we don't it, it, we don't see it right. Like, right, you can't see. But how do you mark him that? How do you mark him back that far? I don't know. I thought it was it, a, like I said. I thought it was a terrible spot. His the first down marker when he lands is parallel with his waist. Yeah, agreed. I thought it was a terrible spot. And, and you can you can see the judge. So the judge is uh the judge is obviously lined up on the line of scrimmage at the beginning of the play, but he never makes it parallel with the first down marker. And like. His prog the I, who caught the ball I can't remember or I can't tell Presley they'll go Presley caught the ball and like his momentum kept going but the line judge never moved with the ball right once he caught the ball or I once don't he think made he could see contact. I don't think the line judge could see what was happening yeah I mean it's I mean, it's actually a cool mistake because it, it it seemed like they played a pretty decent game like I, like they played a great Brock game Purdy, yeah yeah Brock Purdy put up some good numbers but like Spencer Sanders looks like he had a, a damn good game too and like. That's tough because now I, you know, Iowa State's also three and one in the conference. And well, look, those are 
those are two of the best defenses, not only in the Big 12, but in college football. Both of those defenses give up less than 20 points a game. Both of those defenses give, give up uh, less than 100 rushing yards a game. And both of those defenses went into this game saying, we're going to take away your rushing attack, and if you're going to beat us, you're going to have to do it through the air. And, you know, to Oklahoma State's credit, Spencer Sanders played a heck of a game and took advantage of that. Same thing on the other side. They took away Brees Hall, and Brock Purdy made plays down the field. And, and I don't think, I think the game plan was right for both sides. I think the execution was right for both sides. You would like the back end of both defenses to be a little bit better. But look, you can't take away everything on a football field. If you're going to take away the run, you're going to leave yourself vulnerable to the, the pass. And, you know, at some point you just have to say, like, Brock Purdy played really well. Yeah. And if we, we, sure. we wanted Brock Purdy to beat us and not Brees Hall, and to Brock Purdy's credit, he beat us. But it was a it was literally a game of inches, right? Like, literally, yeah, literally. I I I struggled to decide who I was going to pick in this game the entire week, and even on my show Friday, I said in the final hour of the show, I was like, I still don't know who I'm going to pick. I ended up picking Iowa State to win twenty four twenty. I was a point off, but I I said this is a razor thin margin between these two teams, and I can't really find any separation between the two teams. And literally, it came down to a couple inches, but. Both defenses did exactly what they should have done. And, you know, Iowa State was just slightly better. Slightly got the benefit of, of a call that might have been the difference in the game. But, I mean, this this was a great football game. I, I, don't, I don't walk away from that game thinking any less of either team or any more of either team. I thought both teams were exactly what we thought they were. They match up great. And uh, both defenses, I thought, played their asses off. And you have to give both quarterbacks a lot of credit for stepping up and, and uh, meeting the challenge that the defense gave them. I mean, the, the yeah. touchdown pass to Tay Martin from Spencer Sanders is as good a throw as he's made all year long. The the Brennan Presley catch at the end of the first half, like the dude just floated in the air for like what felt like 10 seconds to make that catch. And he's like five, five. And, uh, you know, Brock Purdy for as good as he is, you know, I, I threw this number out all, all week last week. The guy going into this game was, was number three in the country in completion percentage. But a big reason for that is because he's checked down Charlie, right? Like he doesn't, he doesn't stretch the field much. He throws a lot of short stuff. And if you're going to beat Iowa State, you want to make him throw the ball vertically. And, you know, again, to his credit, he was able to do that in this game. So I thought it was an awesome game. I had a ton of fun watching it. And uh, I thought both defenses absolutely played the game that they should have played. Um, One of my biggest takeaways in this game is how ridiculous is it that we still have the celebration penalty that takes points off the board? Yeah, I mean, that's why. Why is it not just a like? I mean, if you're going to have a penalty, it should be a 15-yard penalty after the play. Right. Or, like, a force on the kickoff. Right. Like, it's so stupid. It happens after the play. It's so bad. Yeah. The fact that, that that's still a rule. I didn't realize that was even still a rule. And then they they throw the flag for him halfway high-stepping. Like, that's the worst celebration penalty I think I've ever seen, followed by the worst rule in football, which is we're going to take points off the board because you celebrated on your way into the end zone. So stupid. Man, Unreal. did I watch did that game, the Iowa State Oklahoma State game? After watching that, do you feel because I mean Oklahoma still has to play both teams, so do you feel that it's more likely? Okay, so if you had to put money down on one op, one of these two options, you putting money down that OU beats both of them, or do you think either of those teams could beat OU? I think either one of those teams could beat OU. Do you um, think it happens? I mean, look, I would say, oh man, that OU defense. Doesn't give me a lot of confidence, but I mean, Caleb Williams is going to be the best player on the field. For sure. So 
I wouldn't bet against in an isolated game. I wouldn't bet against OU in either at, at this point in either one of those games. But I wouldn't say it's by a large margin. Which one? Get which one would give you more? Uh, I guess put more fear in. Should put more fear into OU fans. I would say Iowa State slightly, and part of that is just because of the the bedlam factor where OU's just dominated that series. Oh, yeah, and I would say part of it is also because. I feel like Iowa State just offers a little bit more offensively than OSU does. Yeah, Brock like I think OSU's Brock... more dynamic and has like more dynamic offensive players, but I think Iowa State's just a little bit more reliable offensively. They're a lot more experienced offensively. Yeah. Yeah. OU's got a got a tough uh by the way. What a I mean, for Oklahoma to start with nine straight games, that's a Really, I mean, how how many times has that happened? Not much. I can tell you that much. I I think I saw a tweet the other day, That's, yesterday that yeah. had like the specific like last time, but I don't remember. But yeah, I mean, they get they play Texas Tech and then they have a bye, and then I mean, the they could not have a tougher three like three stretch game to wrap up Big Twelve play than at Baylor, Iowa State, at Oklahoma State. Like that's three best defenses in the conference, and yeah. and the other three schools that have a chance to go to the Big Twelve championship. Yeah, and none of those teams play each other through like they're they've all played each other, right? Yes, Baylor beat Iowa State, Iowa State beat Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State beat Baylor. There you go. They've all got Iowa. They've all got one conference loss. They've all played each other. So like, yeah. there's no there's no threat of them knocking each other out through the last month of the season. Like it's it's on OU. OU has to win those games to get to the Big Twelve championship game because I mean, obviously those teams. Well, they got to win two against, of the like, three. Right. Yeah. But like. Yeah, those teams are going to knock each other out. Those teams are going to have to shoot themselves in the foot if OU doesn't beat them. Yeah. It's going to be a fun stretch. And, you know, for Caleb Williams' part, I mean, to to overcome some adversity against Kansas, now you get Texas Tech, then you have a bye week to kind of bring it all together, and then you face yeah. at Baylor, Iowa State, at OSU. That's a hell of a stretch run. I mean, that bye week's coming at a perfect time. I mean, I think that the bye week would probably be better served this week just from based off of the way they played against Kansas. But, like, to get the bye week before you get that, like, gauntlet stretch to end the season yeah. is, is pretty ideal. The good thing is they're back home. Like, this team's played, what, one true road game this entire year? Yes. In Kansas? Uh, Kansas State, too, but yeah. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Yeah, I forgot they were in Manhattan. But still. Okay, still, so two. They, they have it. They've only went one state up the entire season or one state down. Yeah. Well, the Texas game's a neutral game, so... Right. Yeah. That's not even a true road game. They've played two true road games this whole year, and it's been Manhattan and Lawrence. Which, I mean, does Lawrence even count as a road game? It's more of like a, a, it's more of like a COVID game every year. It looked like there was as much or more red or crimson in that stadium as there was blue. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. A Kansas home game is like we're in lockdown every year. They've been in lockdown for 20 years. Ugh, I also love the fact that that when they when they announced that they were just going to open the gates for anybody that wanted to come watch the end of the game to come watch, that's when like the tide turned and it, yeah. it went from being 10 to 0 Kansas to OSU going five or OU going 5 for 5 offensively the rest of the way. Yeah, it's been a this I don't know the way that the schedule worked out. And obviously I know they were supposed to play Tulane in New Orleans, but like the way the schedule's worked out this year for OU has been it's just Super bizarre. Yeah. Nine straight games open the season, only two of which are on the road. Yeah. Crazy, man. So, uh, by the way, how'd you feel about the uh, the most Big Ten game ever in the history of Big Ten football? Would you be talking about a 20-18 to 18, nine overtime game? Of course. Gross. Gross. In which the number seven team loses. 
Yeah. I I didn't watch that game. I like we were at a uh, we were at a brewery like in between like the uh, like taking pictures and like the actual wedding starting. And I walked yeah. by a TV and I looked up and they were showing the uh, the in, like the highlights of the Illinois Penn State game. And I and it said it went nine overtimes and it was 2018. I was like I, I was like what the F? like WTF? How do you have nine overtimes? And the final is twenty to eighteen because and I knew that I knew that each team had ten points because I had, I had seen the game in the fourth quarter and it was ten to ten and I was like how do you go nine overtimes and nobody scores more than like ten points like the when did okay when did they change the rule that like after the third like what is it, like third or fourth overtime that you just go for two after the second overtime after the second when did they change that rule I think it was this year and I didn't okay. I, I didn't realize. Like, I remembered hearing that they had changed it, but I had completely forgotten that that had happened. Same, same. So when I saw the score, 2018, nine overtimes, I thought, what on earth happened there? That's got to be the most embarrassing game of all time. Right. And then after, then I was made aware, like, hey, that, you know, they, they go to the two-point conversion thing. Where, you know, the old one was, I think, from the third overtime on. You can't kick extra points. You can't kick extra points. You have to go for two. Well, now they've, they've cut it down to it's just a two-point conversion play. So one team gets like a that. snap to score, and then the other team gets a snap to score, and it's uh, that's it. So I guess they do that after the second overtime now. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that. I will just throw that yeah, out there that I, uh, yeah, just keep playing the normal overtime. Like it, a game finishing twenty to eighteen and nine overtimes is more embarrassing than a game being like, a, you know, team scoring forty points and three overtimes or four overtimes. But like, hey, it's just boring. I don't want to watch a team have one chance. To score and just repeat and like rinse and repeat that, because like Tom Brady said, you only have four goal line pack plays. Yeah, I want I want to see like a one on one, like uh, only three hundred pounders are eligible. One on one, one guy gets the ball with his feet on the ten yard line. One guy, you know, a defender has his feet on the goal line, and you have to get the ball into the end zone, and you can only use three hundred pounders on both sides. Okay. How about how about we do a kickoff where you start with a normal extra point and move back five yards after each made kick, but kickers aren't allowed to kick. It has to be any player on the team that's not a kicker. <laughs> uh, I like my idea better, but okay. Either way, but I mean, we get three hundred pounders kicking field goals to determine a game. I don't know. Either way, just I don't know. Dude, I, I don't I'm really trying understand. to get kicks out of the game, not into the game. I don't want yeah, more but- kicks. Okay, but if Vince Wilfork goes out there to kick a game-winning field goal, how about sign up this? That. How about this? How about we we uh, lower the uprights to ground level, and okay. we have a defensive player essentially being like a uh, goalkeeper, and we do okay. like a PK situation. All right, I'm in on that. I'm in on that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I just I don't know why they made that rule change. Because I thought college football overtime was fine the way it was. Like I, I don't remember. I don't remember ever hearing anybody complain about college football overtime. Well, it was the LSU A and M game that went like six overtimes and yeah, it was like seventy to sixty six. But like, yeah, that, that happens once every ten years. Right. Well, the idea was, I mean, the the they were so wiped out after that that you know player safety became a big conversation, and they didn't want that number of snaps to be oh. an issue. So okay, I'm just telling you what the reasoning is. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm just annoyed by the reasoning. Yeah, I think they. I like. I don't remember what the number was, but the amount of snaps overall sure they that played they played yeah. in the overtimes was like a ridiculous number. Well, sure. I mean, you could run. I mean, you throw penalties in there and all that. Like, you could easily run ten snaps 
on one overtime possession. Yeah. And then both teams get possession. I get it. Like you're, if you go six or seven overtimes, you're, you're playing like another half of football, full yeah. half of football. So like, I get it from that aspect, but like that doesn't happen that often. Yeah, no, I agree. But whatever. How about, I, it, maybe like, how about we just, instead of doing it from the 25, how about we just do like a yeah. first and goal from the five? Yeah. Yeah. Give me that. 10, first and five, 10, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Or the 10 that works too. Yeah. That's fine with me. At least then like, I I think too. I think I'm also soured on this idea because the first real experience with it was a Big Ten game between Illinois and Penn State, and it's just like the ultimate like Big Ten situation. But yeah. the game finishes twenty to eighteen on nine overtimes, even with the new rule. Like it's you're just like Ugh. yeah. I I said yesterday like I don't like this idea, but part of the problem is like because it was executed so badly. Like I've not seen an exciting version of this, so my only opinion of it is the god awful you know, performance that Penn State right. Illinois gave us. What happens if OU and Texas go to overtime in that game and neither defense can stop the other team from getting two yards yeah. and we go 30 overtimes right. and the score is 106 to 104? Yeah. yeah like, I honestly, agree. the Penn State Illinois game probably would have kept going if Penn State didn't try to pass it on that final overtime. Yuck. So gross. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, change the overtime rules. Uh, get rid of uh, taking points off the board for celebration penalties. Fire whoever threw the flag for that. Be- you saw the high step, right? I didn't. Oh, you need to see it, dude. I'll That's the most embarrassing it. celebration penalty I've ever seen. Like, when was it in the game? Because I've got the highlights. Yeah, right yeah, now. it was in the game. When, uh, no, wait, when? Xavier, uh, it was, oh man, I can't remember. Third quarter, I think. Xavier Hutchinson was the one flagged. Okay. It's. I'm not even kidding you. It's the most embarrassing celebration penalty I've ever seen. They ended up scoring. They ended up scoring anyway. Yeah, they ended up still getting points, and that's probably why it's not a big conversation this week. If that had been the difference in the game, this would be the biggest headline in football. So after the penalty, is it, they put the, where do they put the ball? I think it's a 15-yard penalty. I'm trying to remember. I think it's a 15-yard penalty from where the the celebration occurred. But he's running away from from the defense, and he kind of does, he halfway, he doesn't even fully do it. He kind of halfway does the Dion high step into the end zone. Gotcha. Yeah, I'll have to look for it. Oh, it's so bad. It's, it's, the guy that flagged that should be done. Like, get out of here. You're done. And the rule shouldn't even exist. The rule shouldn't exist. Yeah. The ref shouldn't be in the situation that he has to determine whether or not to throw the flag. Right. Like, who, I don't understand. Like, have you ever talked to a football player and, or heard a football player talk or anything, and then even mention that they're upset about an opponent high stepping on a long play. No, right? Who? Nobody cares. Like it's like some like dipshit in the NCAA office cares. Right. Trying probably yeah exactly. We're trying to protect like the sanctity of sportsmanship, but like nobody cares. These aren't children. Look, if this is a pee wee football game and some kids high stepping and you and you don't want them to do that, whatever. Sure, I get that when they're like eight and kids are more sensitive and stuff to stuff like. Whatever, but these these are tw- adults. Yeah, they might be young adults, but they're adults. Like they can handle some kid high stepping after they get burned on a touchdown. Embarrassing. Like you think that like you think that Xavier Hutchinson wouldn't go up to some guy in Oklahoma State and just start talking trash to his face? What's the difference between that and high stepping? Yeah, it's so stupid. It's I the fact that it takes points off the board to me is mind blowing. Right. That that a, so, an official could have that kind of power to take points yeah. off the board. That's mind blowing yeah. to me. It's it's like. What is this? What? Okay. Yeah. Because it's a completely subjective call. What's yeah. excessive celebration? Right. What isn't? Right. 
so bad. Obviously, I'm going to have a lot more leeway on celebrations than somebody else. Yeah, and this wasn't... You have to watch the video because this wasn't even like... He didn't even fully commit to the high step. Right. Like, when you see it, you're going to be blown away that this was a celebration penalty. Damn, he might as well have committed to it and just gone crazy. He should have done backflips into the end zone. Right, right. it loud. Yeah. Got in the end zone, started doing the worm. Yeah. Just everything. Just went wild. Have you started watching any NBA games yet? Have you seen any NBA action? No. Come on. No. No. I watched the final five minutes of uh, Bucks Nets on opening night. I watched the final right. five minutes of uh, Lakers Warriors on opening night. And that's the extent of the amount of NBA I've watched to this point. Look, I love, I haven't watched any games, but I absolutely love that the Lakers aren't as awesome as everybody expected them to be because they just assume that Russell Westbrook's is going to go, first off, that Russell Westbrook's going to be 28 again and go in there and just fit super well with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Love that. The Lakers are already fighting with each other. Yeah. A week into the season, they're already getting into Anthony fights. Anthony Davis on the and White Howard fighting. It's Russell Westbrook brings tension to a locker room. Yeah. It's, I mean, everybody loves him. And like, I get it. If you're a fan of the Thunder, I understand why you love Russell Westbrook. But I think you're also ignorant to think that he doesn't like, he is not a hard guy to be, to get along with. Yeah. He walks around with like a, like tension. Right. He's always on edge. Yeah. Yeah. I, Ooh, it was funny close. to me. And look, I, Russell Westbrook's not going to be terrible all year. The Lakers aren't going to be terrible all year. Like it's, who cares? No, no but yeah. It was funny to me on that first night how, like, if you looked at the box score, the starters, the plus minus, it was like minus two, minus two, plus eight, and then there's Russ, and it's like minus 23. Yeah. Like, good lord, dude. I think think that they'll be lucky to get a top four seed. They just don't have any shooting. Their shooting is so bad. Yeah. And it says NBA, like, you got to be able to shoot. But uh, did you, I did, did you, uh, I'm sure you saw it. Did you see the uh, the clip of the 76ers announcer whenever Joel Embiid blocked that uh, the Josh Giddy shot? I saw the highlight. I didn't hear the audio. The, the Sixers announcer is kind of getting roasted on Twitter because he makes a comment. He's like, he's like, oh, you know, I just don't like the big guy falling down like that. I don't like to see him fall down like that. I don't really care about Giddy falling down, but like, I we can't see Embiid fall like that. Oh, uh, who cares? He's a Sixers announcer, <laughs> right? Right. I don't care. Like, who cares? Like, I don't care about Giddy. It was hilarious, though. He's like, I could care less about Giddy falling down. That's awesome. And, get, and possibly getting hurt. But That's awesome. And B, we can't have that. Yeah, it's it's just, I think it's just a lot of Thunder fans just, like, finding something fun to, like. Have they ever listened to their to broadcasters? No. I can answer that question for you. No, they don't. God. I don't know any, I don't know any, anybody, Thunder fan or not Thunder fan, that uh, enjoys the local broadcast for the Thunder on the TV. Because they've said things about other teams that I'm like, what? No offense to, uh, I don't even know who the play-by-play guy is now. Um, I'm sure he does a fine job. It's the same Michael guy. Cage is out of- um, yeah, I, I can never remember his name, though, because I don't watch him. Uh, I know that for, Brian Davis yeah. is gone. But, the guy that replaced Brian Davis, like, yeah. He yeah. did the USC I don't know games, his name. right? Yeah. Why, am I, never why can I not think of his name? Because you don't watch the games. On, you, don't watch, you don't watch it with the sound on. Well, I don't get Bali Sports on my uh, television provider, so... What is his name? Uh, I can see his face. Yeah. I, like in my uh, mind. Chris Fisher. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, obviously Gallo does a good job, but 
Michael Cage is yeah. rightfully out of his mind. Shout out to my guy, John Radigan, as well. Yes, John Radigan does a great job in studio. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I hate, though, that I don't get uh, volley sports. It's annoying. You would think the NBA at this point would be big enough that it's just... I mean, you can obviously get league pass, but, like, yeah. it's still difficult to watch games. Dude, I, I, I like the NBA a lot, but oh, I'm not paying for any regular season NBA product. I'll tell you that. No, definitely not. Look, there are... And besides... There are ways to watch any sporting event that you want yes. for free. Yes. Speaking uh, of, the UFC's pay-per-view this weekend is free. Oh, really? It's is a it monster it's card. Monster wow. card. Huge. Uh, if you're not doing anything Saturday, you're welcome to, to come over. I I might pull take you up on that. I am no longer working uh, on Saturdays and Sundays, so I got nothing going on. Yeah, I'm going to have the, the full setup outside. So uh, the pay-per-view will be uh, shown. I will have a couple of football games being shown as well. I think the pay-per-view starts at like 1 or 2 uh, in the afternoon because it's in it's Abu Dhabi. It's a 1 o'clock pay-per-view? Oh, yeah, it's in oh, Abu Dhabi. So like, okay. yeah, they're, and they're giving it away. So, and it is a monster card. So, yeah. It's Usman fight, right? No, Usman. it's uh, Jan Blahovich and Glover Teixeira in the main event. It's Peter Jan and Corey fight. Sanhagen in a monster fight. Uh, Islam Mahashev and Dan Hooker. Uh, the return of Hamzat Chemaev. This card's loaded. Uh, Usman's, the, Usman's the next one, right? Yes, that one will be at Madison Square Garden in New York City. And it's it's actually a week from Saturday. So I can't believe Glover Teixeira is still fighting. Yeah, he's he's bad dude, man. Still. 41. Yeah. Peter Young. Oh, nice. Okay. Li Li Jingliang. Is mm-hmm. any good? Yep. Number eleven welterweight. Yep. Nice. That's cool. Yeah. Big, it's a good move by them. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I I typically do not enjoy having afternoon fight cards, but it helps that OU's playing Tech. It helps that OSU's playing Kansas, and uh, this card is is a monster. So. The OU game is uh, is it a night game? Two thirty. It's a night game, right? Two thirty. Two thirty start. Two thirty. So that's right. Dusty, uh, your boy Dusty's calling that game. Yeah, yeah. Pash and Dusty on the call. And then I OSU, I think, is a night game. It's homecoming. I think they start at six. Yeah, Kansas. So, Kansas though. Kansas. Yeah. So anyway, well, I said um, that. Well, we say that, but well, right. I said that last week. I was literally at my son's horse show last Saturday, and I said, "Oh yeah, it's no big deal. I can go because like OU's playing Kansas." I don't need to like really watch and break down this game. I can just watch it from my phone and it'll be over in like 30 minutes. And I end up watching the entire game from my phone at a horse show waiting for my son to go. So Oklahoma state are 30 point favorites that game. They've only scored 30 points twice this season. Oh, that's a great stat. You should tweet that so I can retweet you or I can just steal it. Now you can take it. It's okay. Fine. It took me three seconds to look that up. Okay. <laughs> that's a great number though. They're the number nine scoring offense in the conference, only ahead of Kansas. Hey, man, they got it works for them, though. It does. It does. It's the right well, recipe. Obviously, if, if they could have been like the eighth scoring offense in the Big 12 last week, they probably would have won. But yeah. just a little bit more. Yeah. Anyway, I will uh, I, I will shoot you over the details for this weekend. Okay. Yeah. 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 Do that. All right, man. Anything else? Um, no, I would love to talk NFL, but this weekend was such a dud that dud. there's not really anything to talk about. Yeah, it was a very lame NFL weekend. So, uh, mostly because the Cowboys weren't playing. Well, yeah, but yeah, Bengals looked good though. I bad matchups and ugh. 
Just nothing exciting. I will say real quick, if there's any reason not to buy into any preseason hype in any sport, Jamar Chase is the prime example of that. <laughs> yeah. the dude couldn't, that dude couldn't catch a football in training camp or preseason. Yeah. And now he's like a top five receiver in the league. Seven games into his career. Yeah. yeah. Stud. Well, remember Mahomes had the same thing. Remember the preseason reports picks. That, yeah. that Mahomes was like, couldn't, couldn't throw more than a couple passes without throwing an interception. Oh, here's another stat I saw for you. Speaking of Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Patrick Mahomes has thrown 13 interceptions in his last 10 games. That's as many interceptions as Aaron Rodgers has thrown in his last 51 games. Oh, wow. Dude, Packers Cardinals on Thursday night football this week. Yeah. Best Thursday night game ever. In, ever. Yeah. I mean, they're combined with 13 and one. Yeah. Great game. Tyler Thursday Murray, night. Rodgers, yeah. Yeah. I am stoked for that. And that'll also be the night that the world series is traveling right after the first right, two games. Yeah, no game. So. Yeah, we need that because the NFL primetime games for like the last two weeks have been just terrible. The Thursday night games have been pretty good, but the matchups, the I matchups mean, yeah. have been great. I mean, I loved watching that 49ers Colts game on Sunday night just because of the weather, but the game was oh. terrible. It was a terrible game. Yeah. We've had Geno Smith on primetime, but what, three weeks in a row. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I need that. Give me all Cardinals Packers. I, I did not watch the second half of 49ers Colts. I was like, nope. It was exactly the same as the first yeah, half. So if you watch like, the first sucks. half, you've got the second half. This sucks. The weather was the best part. The yeah. torrential downpour for four hours was the winner of that game. But I'll yeah. tell you this, man. Here's where I've gotten with football. Like, I love football. And I, like, you know, we start on Thursday night. I rarely miss any Thursday night football because we've been without it for a couple days, right? So Yeah, Thursday's like, you know, you're just chilling. Not yeah, you're not do. doing anything yeah. anyway. So, yeah, like, I usually watch the entire Thursday night game. There's usually a college game that I'm I'm somewhat paying attention to as well. Then we have Friday night football, usually a couple college games that I'm watching. Football all day Saturday, football all day Sunday. I've reached the point now where after I've I've basically completely saturated myself in football for four straight days, if the Sunday night game or the Monday night game A isn't isn't interesting or B isn't close, like I'm not watching. At that yeah. point I have watched so much football for four straight days that I don't like I'm not craving it anymore. And if it's not a good game or not a good matchup, I I'm like okay, I don't I, I'm good. Yeah, I'm the same way. Like, like Colts 49ers, for example, like it's a game that like I've got on my phone and like, you know, I'm hanging out with Rosie or like we're doing something and I'm just like, I'll peek down at my phone and watch like a few snaps here and there. But like, I'm not putting it on the TV and I'm not like making my whole the, you know, the last four hours of my night about Sunday night football. Yeah. But again, if it's Ravens and Chiefs and we get a game like that, then yeah, I'm probably well, sure. Yeah, for, for sure. If it's a good hours. game, I'm watching. But I've just, I think I've finally reached this point where, I mean, there was a point in time where Sunday night and Monday night were probably the focal points. And now it's just like, if it's a great game, I'm going to watch. But if it doesn't deliver, I'm, I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. My, my craving for football has been met by the time those games happen. Yeah. I'm the same way. It's Sunday night's got to be Sunday night football at this point has to sell me. It has to, yeah, it has to pull me in to get me committed to watching a full game. Yeah, you give me like Panthers Bears, yeah. or like you know, uh, yeah, Colts Forty ers Right. Like if the Thursday night game this week was on Sunday night, I'm watching every snap of that game. One thousand percent. But it's on Thursday, so you know, I guess Fox or NFL Network or whatever they're getting my they're getting my my ratings over yeah. NBC. Like Bills Titans last Monday, watched all of it. That was awesome. It was great, and it was a great game. And it, yeah, good teams, great game. Yeah, but if it's not yeah. good, I'm I'm out, man. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you're going to watch Sunday Night Football this week. 
Yes. Which is actually a matchup that I think is pretty interesting. Yeah. But the Monday night game, who the hell's going to watch that Monday night game? Giants and Chiefs. Well, only because of the Manning cast. But if, if sure. like, if the you Manning cast wasn't happening like it hadn't happened the previous four weeks, like, I'm not sticking around. Watching the Mannings watch Patrick Mahomes. Assuming that Mahomes ends up playing, I, I guess he's fine because he clear concussion protocol. Yeah. But, like, watching Peyton and Eli watch Patrick Mahomes is definitely TV that you, if it's, if you're a football fan, you have to watch them, yeah. like, evaluate Mahomes. But, yeah, I mean, it's. Something that'd be fun though. You hate Kirk Cousins, and he's been playing really good this year. So I'm excited to uh, see how that game plays out. Yeah, I do hate Kirk Cousins. Not like personally, just as a football player. Right. Yeah. I, well, I just like yeah, I like to root. He was the quarterback of Washington, so yeah, I'm gonna. And he's kind him. of he. Let's be fair. He's a little douchey. Well, yeah, he comes off that way. I'm sure he's a nice guy in person. But, I, right. I'm sure he is yeah, too. I, but like, yeah. I feel like I have to clarify that sort of stuff now because we've reached this point in our world where it's like. You say you hate a player and people think you like hate them personally. It's like, no, I just like I root against them. Look, yeah, like a person could be a perfectly good human being and stuff. And still you could say, wow, that guy's kind of a douche when he yells. (laughs) How do you like that? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like I'm a douche. I think I'm a good person. So like I get it. You know, players, people are complicated. We are. We're we're complicated individuals. Are you going to dress up for Halloween? No, no. No. I figured that uh, without kids, you and Rosie would probably go hit up some, like, dress-up Halloween party. Uh, no. Okay. We're not really uh, we're not party people. She is dressing up for work Friday, but not a, I don't believe we're going to do anything for Halloween. Okay. Fair enough. I got a, I got football to watch on Halloween. I got, I got, time, I got time to go to a costume party. Well, I mean, I, you know, like, we're going to do our thing on Friday night. We're not, gotcha. we're not going trick-or-treating on a Sunday, for crying out loud. Right. No, Who the hell does any, that? I don't have any plans. Our uh, our neighborhood is very dead on Halloween, so I don't, I don't even have like we don't even have kids that come to our door to get candy. Yeah, we don't either, which is I, I appreciate. So we, we I, will I uh, we will be going to some sort of like Halloween event on, gotcha. on Friday night. So. Well, you got a kid too. Yeah. I mean, like how? Yeah, you got. He's gonna got be a, he's gonna be a ninja, by the way. Oh, nice! Like which, three ninja ninja. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. he chose the outfit and apparently Lauren like found something online where somebody was saying that ninjas are being canceled. And I'm like, Oh my God. You know, cause she, she, not that she has anything. She's just like, I don't want him to be something that like is going to get him in trouble at some point, you know? Right. And I'm like, if somebody's offended by this, then they can go F themselves because right. there's nothing offensive about a ninja. It's a thing. Right. This isn't some, like, made-up, like, mockery of... like. Also, he's a kid. <laughs> he thinks ninjas are badass, which they are. Yeah, every, yeah. Who doesn't think ninjas are badass? I wanted to be Snake Eyes for a period of my, t- my, my childhood. Like, that's what I wanted to be when I grew up, was Snake Eyes. Yeah, well, I, you know what? It's probably best don't ever put him in any, like, martial arts or karate, because he might get canceled. Yeah, so stupid. Can't, like, yeah. I, just the fact that, that there, you know, there are people out there that are like, oh, ninjas, we need to cancel ninjas. What? <laughs> now, look, look, if it's a real ninja and I'm in danger, yeah, let's cancel them. But the thing is, Colby, you can't cancel ninjas. You'll never, you can't, you know, you can they're ninjas. You can try, <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah. They're ninjas. You're never they may gonna, cancel you. Cancel. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's what Yeah, he, um, so his two, his selections came down to, a ninja or I found a Dallas Cowboys like kids like helmet and jersey and pants and he chose ninja but he said that he wanted the Cowboys um 
uniform for Christmas. So he wants them both, but Halloween is for Ninja okay. and he wants the football helmet for Christmas. So gotcha. there we go. Nice. Yeah. I think I was a Power Ranger for like the first eight years of my life every nice. year for Halloween. Nice. So yeah. He was a PJ mask last year, Catboy. I have no idea what you're talking and about. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's it's basically the five-year-old version of Power Rangers these days. Gotcha. So, nice. Yeah. Anyway, uh, go Ninja, and I'm excited. I, I'm more excited probably about his fake sword than than anyone else. But There you go. Nice. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, I will uh, shoot you over the details for UFC this Saturday. Okay, cool. Sounds good. All right. That is Aaron Davis. See and Colby Daniels. Talk to you next time. Podcast is over.